The Orioles haven't brought in any pitchers yet this offseason, but maybe that's because they were waiting to first add a pitching coach. And now they've done it as they bring in Drew French from the Atlanta Braves. Talk about him, plus Dylan Cease and some other pitching rumors coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, December 1st, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are diving into some Orioles news and notes. The O's have hired their new pitching coach, bringing in Drew French from the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk about his baseball background, what he brings to Baltimore. Then a shout out to Felix Bautista for winning AL Reliever of the Year. Talk about how good he was and how the O's can try and fill in that production with Felix out for 2024. And then a little bit about some Orioles rumors involving some starting pitchers they could be after this offseason. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 just if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So we open things up on an Orioles news and notes episode with a new pitching coach, in Baltimore. If you remember a few weeks ago, the Orioles announced they had reassigned pitching coach Chris Holt, who had been here for the last few seasons as the pitching coach. He came over from Houston, Mike Elias kind of brought him with him, to be the director of pitching, oversee a lot of the minor league pitching in the system. He was promoted to pitching coach. Just seems like, in the end, his role was better served as that director of pitching. So they moved Holt from pitching coach back into the director of pitching role. He will still have some oversight of the major league pitching, but he'll be able to oversee all of minor league pitching in the Orioles system as well. They also let go of their assistant pitching coach, Darren Holmes. He will not be back. So the O's had two openings. And I talked about, you know, some guys the Orioles could go out and pick up. And while I never mentioned Drew French as a name, I did talk about some former Astros guys the Orioles would go after. And of course, in typical Mike Elias fashion, they went and got a former Astros guy who worked with Elias and co in Houston. And reportedly, Rockabaco of Masson reporting this first and many others corroborating the story, despite the fact that the Orioles have not yet confirmed it, is that the Orioles have hired a new pitching coach. And that new pitching coach is Drew French. Drew French, a 39-year-old who is a native of Seguin, excuse me, Texas, Coming in from the Atlanta Braves, where he has been the bullpen coach for Atlanta for the last three seasons, was hired in 2021, and then, of course, won a World Series ring with the Braves that year in his first season, and now gets his first big league pitching coach job. Now, French has been in baseball for a long, long time. He wasn't an amazing player. He played at a pretty low level. Concordia University, Texas, a Division three school, graduated from there in 2006, was like a solid middle reliever, basically, at Division three baseball. Wasn't anything special on the field, but you don't have to be to be a good coach on the field as well. He immediately took a coaching job with his alma mater, Concordia University, as soon as he graduated. 
And then after that, started moving up the ranks, got hired by Alabama at the D1 level to be a volunteer assistant, then moved to the director of baseball operations and was there for four seasons from 2008 through 2011. Then finally got a division one pitching coach job as he went to FIU, Florida International University for two seasons, 2012 and 2013 as their pitching coach. He then moved on back to the D2 level, Lee University in Tennessee, where he spent the next two years, 2014 and 15, as their pitching coach before finally being hired by the Astros. Astros brought him in before the 2016 season to be a minor league pitching coach, and he really just started to excel and move up the ladder quickly. He was the pitching coach in short season Tri-City in 2016, moved up to be the pitching coach in low A Quad City in 2017, then he was in high A, Bowie's Creek, as the pitching coach in 2018. And then in 2019, he skipped double A and was promoted to the pitching coach in triple A Round Rock in the Astros organization. He was the triple A pitching coach for a 2019 Astros organization, a team that went to the World Series and was very close to winning it once again in 2019. Now, the plan was for him to stay in that AAA pitching coach role in 2020. But of course, the COVID pandemic hit. There was no minor league baseball season. But French was one of the two pitching coaches who was at the Astros alternate site. If you remember all the way back to that weird 60-game 2020 season, you had an alternate site, which was generally at one of your minor league ballparks. It was where the guys who were on your 40-man roster but weren't on the active roster and some of your top prospects kind of came together, played simulated games, kept busy, kept ready for whenever they were needed for the big leagues because there was no minor league season. Well, French was one of those pitching coaches there. And then when it got time for the postseason, the Astros made another run to the ALCS. French was with the big league squad for that 2020 postseason run. And the funny thing about his time in the Astros system, of course, he overlapped with Mike Elias and Sig Dell and Eve Rosenbaum and pretty much everyone in between for three years, 2016 to 2018, until Mike left and, and took his people with him and got the job in Baltimore in November of 2018. So Mike Elias was played a part in hiring Drew French to the Astros minor league system in the winter of 2015 leading into the 2016 season. Is that Drew French also, he just followed Chris Holt at every stop. So like in 2017, low A Quad City, the year before, Chris Holt was the pitching coach there. Then it was French. High A Bowie's Creek, 2018, the year before. Chris Holt was the pitching coach there. Then it was French. When he got to AAA the year before, Chris Holt was the pitching coach there. And then he got promoted to the director of pitching in the Astros organization. And funny enough, he is following Chris Holt again, who was just Orioles pitching coach. Now it will be Drew French. And Holt again will remain in that director of pitching role. So he's been around some winning ball clubs, right? I mean, he's with the Braves and with the Astros. Can't get really much better than that in terms of baseball success over the last few years. Mike Elias knows him. Sig Dell knows him. The Orioles front office staff know him. And we've kind of seen that time and time again, whether it's players or coaches or front office people coming in. There is some sort of either Astros or Cardinals connection to Mike Elias and others. And they do it again here with their pitching coach. And I like this hire. Yeah, he Adds to a young staff, right? Again, only 39 years old. The Orioles did something similar when they hired Ryan Fuller and Matt Borgschulte as co-hitting coaches a couple years ago. Fuller had been in the system. Borgschulte came from the twin system, but neither had been a major league coach until they each got that job. Now, French a little different because he spent three years as a bullpen coach for the Braves, been a major league coach. 
but has helped with those Braves pitching staffs and specifically that bullpen. And there was a couple good articles, uh, one in The Athletic about Drew French, talking about how much he uses the data, but also is able to build relationships with the players and kind of mold the two together to be a good on-field coach. It seems like he was trending to being a big league pitching coach at some point, and the Orioles were able to scoop him up. And now we will kind of see, okay, what can he do for this Orioles organization? It's not completely known why Chris Holt was moved out of the role or why Darren Holmes was let go, but it sounds like some of it was. While Chris Holt was really good at communicating with some pitchers, he was struggling with others, and he wasn't for everyone, and it seems like his better role, what he's more fit for, is that director of pitching overseeing the entire plan instead of the day-to-day minutiae of the big league pitching coach. Hopefully, Drew French will come in, be a little better at that part, and this staff will start to get even stronger. Now, it still does leave an opening for an assistant pitching coach if the Orioles want to keep that role filled that they had with Darren Holmes. And I do think I talked about this when the Orioles basically brought these openings. I figured Justin Ramsey, who has been the AAA Norfolk Tides pitching coach for the last couple of years and has been huge developing the Orioles pitching, also is just kind of the upper minors pitching coordinator, so oversees some pitchers in AA as well. The, the top Orioles pitching prospects, they have all worked with Justin Ramsey. It seemed like we were on track for Ramsey to get one of these jobs. I figured he wouldn't get the big job. He'd probably get the assistant job. Well, now that they've filled the big job, they still could go outside the organization for an assistant pitching coach. But to me, I don't have like the inside information. I just, my gut tells me probably a better chance than anyone else that Justin Ramsey will be hired in that assistant pitching coach role. But again, Drew French is the Orioles' new big league pitching coach, and hopefully uh, we'll get some more info about him and, and, and how this all came together in the coming days and weeks throughout this offseason. But speaking of pitching, Drew French, hopefully, eventually, will get to work with Felix Bautista. Now, it's not going to happen in his first season. Bautista will miss the year after getting Tommy John surgery in October. But that didn't stop him from taking home some hardware this week. And coming up next, we'll talk about another award for Felix Bautista, really look back at his season again and think about How will the Orioles try to replace him at the end of games in that bullpen in 2024? But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, we are in the swing of things in the NFL season, and as the weather gets colder, and it certainly is in Baltimore right now, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks just if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So we're here on an Orioles News and Notes episode and getting to Felix Bautista, who, congratulations to him, was named the American League Reliever of the Year earlier this week. And it was certainly a deserving honor, despite the fact that he went down with that injury in late August and did not pitch for the final month of the season, got Tommy John surgery in October, and will be out for all of 2024. He was spectacular when he was out there this year. 61 innings, a 1.48 ERA, and 33 saves for Felix who had an unbelievable 46% strikeout rate to an 11% walk rate. That splitter-fastball combination was just unbelievable, what he did with those two pitches. Fall off the table splitter, add it with a fastball that he ran up to 103 at times this season. 
It's just a ridiculous mix. And we know how good Felix Bautista is. And of course, first of all, he deserved this. Even though he didn't pitch for the last month, that's how good he was this season. That he was the easy choice for this award, despite missing all of September. Now, the Orioles pieced things together in September. In your Cano got most of those save chances, but they threw guys like Danny Coulomb and CNL Perez and DL Hall, you know, into those spots to try and mix things together. And of course, they did it with Tyler Wells at the end to clinch the division. And so everybody kind of got a chance to take the ninth inning with Felix out. I don't know if the Orioles want to go fully that direction in 2024. Now, for Felix, you're thinking about, okay, can he come back and be this good as he was post Tommy John 2025 and beyond? Is he going to be that good? I don't think we know that. But the issue for the Orioles right now is figuring out next season. They know no matter what, Felix Bautista will not throw a pitch for the 2024 Orioles, and they've got to figure things out. They might not have a lockdown, legitimate closer. There's there's a really good chance they don't, right? There's not many of those out there. The number one guy by far is Josh Hader. The Orioles are not going to pony up the money it's going to take to sign Josh Hader this offseason. So I don't know if it'll be completely closer by committee, but I don't think there'll be a guy like Felix who's basically getting every save opportunity for the Orioles next season. They're going to have, I think, a couple of options. Cano, Perez, Coulomb, Wells could all be some of those options. D.L. Hall. But they still should bring in some help from outside. And I think even without a Felix injury, the Orioles were probably going to sign at least one free agent reliever. Like, they did it last year. They brought in Michael Givens. It did not work for a myriad of reasons. They should, at the very least, be looking for another deal like that with a veteran reliever, you know, one year, five, six, seven million, bring him in. Know at the very least he's going to be a guy who helps you as a solid middle reliever, gives you good innings throughout the year. Givens didn't do that. They'll need that from someone else. Now, for me, among guys out there, and a couple weeks ago, make sure to go check out, I did a free agent reliever wish list for the Orioles, did my top 10 relievers who are on the market who I would love to see the Orioles go and get that would be realistically in the unfortunate price range that John Angelos has set for this team. But Hector Neris, who was number one on that list, been with the Astros the last couple of years, long time with the Phillies, incredible splitter, good fastball, a little bit of command issues, but he's been a closer in the past. That's my guy right now. I think Hector Neris on a two-year deal where he can be kind of your main closer in 2024 and then a really good setup guy when Felix comes back in 2025 to make your bullpen even better. I think that'd be a perfect fit. I would honestly still go for two relievers. Even if you got a guy like Hector Neris, I would still fill in with the Michael Givens type, the like veteran, fairly cheap, one-year deal middle reliever who you hope, unless he gets injured like Givens did multiple times, you hope will throw... 60 plus innings for you this year with a three something ERA and just really be a solid guy you can go to in the sixth inning when you need him. At the very least, I feel like they should go get another one of those guys. And I ranked some of these guys. I still think Phil Maton of the Astros previously, the right-hander, and then Wandy Peralta, the lefty who was with the Yankees. Two solid guys who should cost definitely one year, less than $10 million. I think the Orioles should go after one of them with Neris as well. Now, as you know from listening to this podcast, the Orioles don't listen to me. They don't do what I would like for them to do. But the reliever market, what's interesting is there's been some relievers who have been signed already. You know, the offseason hasn't really super kick-started yet, especially for relief pitchers. A lot of them will sign later in the process, too. But there's been kind of three main relievers who have signed big league deals so far. Emilio Pagan was the most recent one. He signed a two-year, $16 million deal. And Pagan is interesting because, you know, he was really good with the Rays, like unhittable a couple years ago. He gets traded to the Padres, kind of falls apart, then gets traded to the Twins, was bad again, and then kind of figured it out this year. Had a sub-3 ERA in Minnesota in his walk year and ended up with $8 million per year. 
more than I thought Emilio Pagan was going to get because he's been really bad as recently as 2022. If Emilio Pagan is getting two years, 16 million on the open market, that's kind of setting things for relievers. Now, the other two guys who have signed are Nick Martinez, who signed a two-year, $26 million deal. Martinez, I think he still wants to be a starter. He was more of a swingman with the Padres last year. So he's getting money that's a little closer to a starter. And same thing with Reynaldo Lopez, who I wanted the O's to sign, but did sign a three-year, $30 million deal with the Atlanta Braves. The Braves came right out and said, we're going to try to get Ronaldo Lopez to become a starter again. He was a starter for a while with the White Sox before they moved into the pen. He's still, you know, in his late 20s. He's still pretty young. They want to try him out as a starter, which is probably why he got a few more years and, and more money. The Orioles were not going to give a reliever a three-year, $30 million deal. So I don't think Lopez or Martinez affected the market, but 2-16 and 16 for Emilio Pagan could affect this reliever market. And to me, that tells me, Hector Neris isn't getting two years 16. If Emilio Pagan's getting that, Hector Neris is looking for, I mean, maybe two years 25, two years 30 million. And I, I just don't think the Orioles are under John Angelos are going to shell that out for a relief pitcher when the O's have shown over the last couple of years they can put together a good bullpen through rookies who are failed starters and the waiver wire. Like they've done it and they will try to continue to do it. It does make me worry that maybe the only signing will be like a one year, $5 million veteran middle reliever, which is fine, better than nothing. And there's a lot of options out there for that, which is good. But I still feel like without Felix, that is a huge piece of your bullpen you're missing. And you should probably try to do a little bit more to add to it. I get Tyler Wells and D.L. Hall have kind of been starters-ish and, and should, you know, we don't know. But there's a good chance they'll be in this bullpen as full-time relievers this year, which is going to help if they can focus on that role. I still think a good veteran guy, at least even for a year, would really help fill a gigantic hole left by Felix Bautista and his Tommy John surgery. But of course, you know, those are going to sign a reliever, I think. It's really hard to know because there's not a lot of reliever rumors out there. Most of the time when these, you know, okay middle relievers get signed on one-year deals, it's not like Ken Rosenthal's writing about them. You know, oh, this team, this team is interested. They just kind of sign. It's different for starting pitchers. And we know the Orioles are in the starting pitching market this offseason as well. And Ken Rosenthal has written about that over the last couple of days, connecting the Orioles to Dylan Cease, who I would love to see the O's go make a trade for. And they were also connected to a pitcher from Japan, not Imanaga, not Yamamoto, but a more under-the-radar name that is probably more what the Orioles want to pay for a free agent pitcher. We'll talk about that to finish things off coming up next. So the Orioles, they've got their pitching coach, Drew French. He's looking over this roster saying, what is my rotation going to be? I don't think... That's been settled yet, to be honest with you, because the Orioles should, at the very least, bring in one more starting pitcher this offseason before they get to Sarasota. And the big fish that I would love for them to go after is Dylan Cease. We've talked about it multiple times this offseason for the Chicago White Sox, has two years left to control, was okay last year, but has been really, really good ace-like in the past. Could be a really good fit atop the Orioles rotation. Did an episode a couple weeks ago with Herb Lawrence, White Sox podcaster talking about, hey, we just made kind of a mock trade, what it would take for the O's to go and get Dylan Cease. And those trade talks are continuing on, according to multiple people who cover the game, including Ken Rosenthal, who wrote in The Athletic this week that the White Sox, after an initial report not coming from Ken, said, hey, the White Sox might make this trade immediately. Ken Rosenthal wrote, and he's kind of my main source for baseball news, he wrote that, actually, slow your roll, the White Sox are going to want to wait until some of the top free agent pitchers have signed 
before they make the Dylan Cease trade. And it's kind of a smart move because you do have some really good starting pitchers still out there. Now, Aaron Nola, already gone. He's already re-signed with the Phillies. But you've got Yamamoto still out there. Could be the big prize. You've got Blake Snell coming off a Cy Young season. And, you know, you even got Jordan Montgomery. And theoretically, I mean, even though he's not going to pitch this year, in the future, Shohei Otani will be pitching again, and he's still a free agent too. I would get this from the White Sox perspective, right? You want to wait for the teams, the big money teams, to go and sign those players, or maybe even the teams who want to trade for Dylan Cease when they miss out on Yamamoto, or they're going for Blake Snell and they miss out on him, they become even more desperate to get a a starter. Because once you've let the aces on the free agent market go, the only way to get a number one is through trade, and that means if a team is desperate for a number one, they're probably going to be willing to give up a little bit more in that trade to get Dylan C. So you kind of get it from a business perspective for the White Sox. And Rosenthal wrote about this in the column too. This almost kind of benefits, or it could, a team like the Orioles, who he did report, you know, is in this mix potentially for Dylan Cease. And he mentioned the Cincinnati Reds in this same sentence that, you know, the Reds and the Orioles, as Rosenthal said, they're not going to be playing at the top of the free agent market for pitching. We know this. They're not giving offers to Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery to go and get those guys. They might go for the much lower deals in free agency, might be looking there. But if they're going for a number one guy, it's only going to be in a trade for the Orioles. I think we've all accepted that, and Ken Rosenthal's writing about it as well. So Rosenthal seems to think this won't really affect the Orioles as much. And he thinks, hey, maybe as these other teams are working on getting these free agent pitchers, maybe the Orioles can continue to talk with the White Sox and say, hey, we can even make still a better deal than these desperate teams can make because our farm system is so good and we have so many pieces that we can give to a team that could be going into a full teardown and rebuild in the White Sox and going to need some young talent that they're going to want from the Orioles. So maybe it could benefit them if the O's are willing to go after Dylan Cease in this trade. Now, he also mentioned along with the Reds that the Dodgers and the Braves are interested in a trade for Dylan Cease. Now, they maybe don't have as many good prospects. They got some good ones, but they got more money to spend, and they're going to be more aggressive as those teams always are in the offseason. So that's what the O's are fighting with. But in terms of prospects to give up, The O's have what it takes, especially if you're looking for hitters and the White Sox need everything. Nobody can beat what the O's can offer. It's just a question of will they offer it up in a trade. Now, Dylan Cease could be an ace for the O's if they would go and get him. The only other pitcher that the Orioles have really been connected to by anyone so far this offseason, we'll see more of this as the winter meetings get started next week, but the only other pitcher is somebody that I didn't know about until this week and most baseball fans didn't know about. Didn't even know this guy would be a free agent this offseason. And that is now Yuki Uwasawa, who is a 29-year-old right-handed pitcher who has been pitching in the NPB in Japan professionally since 2014 when he made his pro debut at age 19. Uwasawa has been really good for the fighters in NPB, the Nippon Ham Fighters, who a great team, a good franchise that have put a lot of great players through. You might know some of the best players that have come out of Japan have played for the fighters. He has been posted by his team earlier this week, opening up a 45-day posting window, which is basically a window for him to negotiate and sign with MLB teams. If he doesn't sign in those 45 days, he goes back to the fighters for another season. But Uwasawa reportedly asked to be posted, and the team granted his wishes, so he wants to come over to MLB this season. Now, this is not, you know, Ken Rosenthal, Jeff Passan, even Orioles reporters reporting that Uwasawa has been linked to the Orioles, but... A Japanese news site 
Sanspo News, which covers baseball over in Japan, wrote a story earlier this week saying that the Orioles are, quote, prepared to offer Uesawa a multi-year major league deal to come be a starting pitcher in Baltimore. Now, again, we don't know how valid all of this is, but it seems to be at least a reputable enough news site covering NPB, Japanese baseball, covering Uesawa. And it would be an interesting fit in Baltimore. Essentially, if Uesawa came over, he'd be a five-starter, I would think in Major League Baseball. Nine seasons in MPB, the top level in Japan, and basically well-known as the second-best professional league in the world behind Major League Baseball. He's thrown just over 1,000 innings, and he has a 3.19 ERA in his career in Japan. Now, not really a strikeout guy. Just 7.3 Ks per nine in his career to 2.8 walks per nine, so doesn't walk a lot of guys as well. In 2023, had a great year. Made his second All-Star team in the NPB, threw 170 innings, had a 2.96 ERA, but... 6.6 strikeouts per nine was the lowest number of his career. Now, 2.2 walks per nine was great, and he did throw two complete games, and he's able to keep his pitch count down. But when I watched him, and I went and watched some video and kind of looked at the stuff, and we do have reports on velocity. He's right about 90-91 with the fastball, you know, so he's not blowing anybody away. Throws a lot of splitters, and he will toss in a curveball and a slider there as well for the 29-year-old right-hander. He kind of reminds me, a little bit of Kyle Hendricks. And I've seen this comparison be made by others, but it's a slow fastball and even slower changeup slash splitter, but he keeps guys off balance. And he doesn't strike out a crazy amount of guys, but he can pitch deep into games because he gets outs early and counts and he flummoxes hitters. And sometimes he's going to get beat and sometimes he's going to get hit. But more times than not in NPB, he is pitching very, very deep into games. And the other thing with him is you've got Shoto Amanaga, you've got Yamamoto coming over from Japan. These are going to be like big money guys who could be really good pitchers in Major League Baseball. Uwasawa's got a lot more questions about, you know, how good he can be over here in the majors. The first one being the velocity and the second one being just didn't have as much success in Japan. Although, again, really good. 319 ERA in his career, 296 and 170 innings last season. But it's still not the kind of pitcher that those two guys are. What that means is he's going to be pretty cheap in free agency. I would guess this is like an educated guess more than I know what these players cost. Something like a two-year, $10 million deal would probably get Uesawa to Baltimore. I mean, that's $5 million per year for potentially a number five starter. That would be good value for an Orioles team that is not willing to spend much money in free agency. I was trying to compare it to other deals. You can't really compare it to like Kodai Senga last year because Senga was an ace and he was incredible with the Mets. I was trying to compare it to like some of the guys who have come over who have been relievers like Shon Yamaguchi who came over to the Blue Jays a couple of years ago or Koei Arihara who came over to the Rangers but they were mostly relievers honestly I was looking at Shintaro Fujinami's deal with the A's last year but those guys were like kind of relievers at that point in Japan when they came over whereas Uesawa was more of a starter but those guys got at most like three or four million dollars per year so if you add that he's a starter five to six million per year. Also add in a posting fee, which is 20% of the first 25 million. So if the deal doesn't reach 25 million total, it's just 20% of the deal. So if it were a two-year $10 million deal, the Orioles would also have to pay a $2 million posting fee to the fighters. So in total, they'd pay 12 million, but it still seems pretty reasonable to go and get a guy who you think can be a big league starting pitcher. So he'd be an interesting guy to go get. Right, We haven't seen you know, any further sources report that the Orioles are linked to him, at least at this point as I'm recording here later on Thursday evening. But it could be an interesting way for the Orioles if they think Uesawa 
is big league caliber starting pitcher, he's going to be even much cheaper than going and getting, you know, a Hunjin Ryu, right? Or a number five more type starter who's been in the big leagues for a while. So we'll see if the Orioles would make a move like that. It would at least be interesting to follow to see if they go that way in terms of free agent pitching. And who knows? Maybe their offseason is trade for Dylan Cease, sign Uasawa. I'd take that as a pitching offseason. I would be down if those two moves came together. Get a one, get a five, get your really good starters in the middle. I feel pretty good about the Orioles heading into 2024 if they made those moves. But that'll do it for today's episode and for this week on the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back on Monday as the winter meetings begin. We'll be doing a mailbag Monday. So again, get your Orioles questions in. You can put them right here in the YouTube comments. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. You can also email us your questions. That is LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. I'm not super on Twitter right now. Might be a little more active on there when the winter meetings start next week. But again, LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. Send in your mailbag questions. Also, just send in any Orioles thoughts, any thoughts about the pod. Let me know. You can email the pod right here. And again, we'll be back with a mailbag Monday or maybe the O's make a move. And of course, we break that down when I am back on Monday's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.